Hello, everybody. Welcome to Vineyard Community Church. As we continue on in a series we're doing called Neighboring Well. And uh, it's so good to be back. Um, we were not here last week. Alice and I got an opportunity, had an opportunity to go and um, preach up at the Miami Vineyard, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, it's it's uh, it's neat. You know, they're not that they're a hundred miles away from us. The, the culture is very different up there. I, I couldn't wear shorts. I needed to wear long pants because culturally that's what's expected in the church up there. And I don't want to you know put anybody off their game. So I wore long pants. Was happy to do that and be with the church. Although I told them all I preached in shorts everywhere else. So I I didn't let it go without saying something about it. And uh, we had uh, we had a great time. They have five services on the weekend. Actually, one less for us than we normally do. Um, um, it's a it's a very it's much larger church obviously up in that area and uh, we had a great time up there we did two Saturday night services and three on Sunday morning their their services don't start on Sunday until 10 o'clock so they have a 10 11 30 and a one o'clock so you can see the cultures are different and one o'clock is really like their busiest service and and so we start much earlier here we start at eight on Sunday so Alice and I were at the hotel and we clicked into the webcast we webcast these services so we could it was like and it was really cool it's like being here it's funny though I'm watching the webcast and uh, I want to thank um, my son Doug Pastor Doug Pastor Georgina and Pastor Fran for stepping up last week and preaching they always do a great job it's so neat to be able to go and have them here um, but um, my son was on and he was up first and he was messing with his microphone. And, and I'm watching the webcast, and he blames me. He says, yeah, my dad didn't leave me a good microphone. And, uh, and so I text him and say, you picked up the wrong microphone. There's two really good ones in the bag right below you. Grab one of those microphones. And I just figured he'd, in between services, look it. But he's preaching off an iPad like I do, and all of a sudden the text message pops up on his iPad, and he, I'm watching on the webcast. He stops, and he goes, oh, my dad is texting me. He must be watching the webcast. And he's just like critiquing me from a distance, which I wasn't. But anyway... It was fun. It was just like being here. It's very cool, and uh, it's neat to be involved uh, and be a part even when we're away. We had this thing happen, though, real quick. Um, so we're, Alice and I were, it's the 11 o'clock, 11.30 service on Sunday. We've been there for now. This is going into number four. But we're in the second row. I like to get up near the front and watch what's happening, and we're up in this, you know, during worship time, and we're, we're praising God. And, and so there's a couple right in front of us, in the front row. Right in front of me is a, is a woman in front of me, and uh, her husband is next to her, and he's standing in front of Alice. And we're there, and we're just worshiping, hanging out. And this guy comes down our row, and, and uh, he, he reaches across to the guy that's standing right in front of Alice, and he, he gives him a friendly pat right here on, in this area. Oh, it was a pinch, Alice is saying. It was more of a pinch. I didn't want to go that far. But anyway, but he doesn't do it on the side closest to him. He reaches around and does this side. So when the guy turns around to look, he's looking at Alice. And then at me. And I'm like, we're both like, it wasn't us. It was that guy. And so he whips around the other way. And he see, apparently he knows him. And that guy's having a blast. He's just laughing hysterically like, that's so funny. And I'm like, it's that. It's quite a way to be greeted here at the Miami Vineyard. I don't know if they greet all their guests like that. But that happened to us. But we had a great time. It's great to be back and to be with you here today on our Fisherman's Blessing Day. Um, we are talking about neighboring well. And uh, these things fit together very nicely. Um, in, in this series, what we've been talking about is hospitality. And hospitality is more than just having people to dinner, which is certainly a type of hospitality. But in the kingdom of God, hospitality is, is helping to make people comfortable so that they can receive 
the good news of Jesus Christ. This is the, you know, the, the sort of bigger picture of hospitality. And I said that there's spiritual implications and there's practical implications to this message and, and this understanding, and that we'd start with some of the spiritual uh, applications of what hospitality looks like. And I said that a big part of what we do is that we, we take a stand for our neighbors. Um, and, and that what we're standing against is the evil one and the kingdom of darkness. Now, the kingdom of God exists, and it's far superior to anything else. Uh, and in Christ, we're a part of the kingdom of God. Uh, until Jesus comes back, though, the kingdom of darkness still um, is in operation. Uh, it's not like a tug of war because it's already been defeated. But, um, and, and rendered virtually powerless at the cross, um, what the kingdom of darkness operates on still are lies and deceptions and tricks and schemes and guilt and shame and all sorts of other stuff that keeps people held in this kingdom of darkness. And we said in our last series that, that we're to be those who declare the praises of him who brought us out of that darkness into uh, out of that darkness into his marvelous light. And this is still the ongoing process. Um, that, that we stand against the evil one and the kingdom of darkness. We stand up for our neighbors so that we can um, uh, have opportunities to help them out of darkness into light which is what this is all about. And that the way that we stand, that God has provided for us the armor of God to help take this stand. That it's not just uh, ourselves that we stand for, we stand for our neighbors. Remember, our neighbors are anyone that we meet who needs the mercy of God. And we define that pretty clearly. So this is what this is all about. And we started a couple weeks ago talking about the belt of truth and what that looks like. Last week, the message was about righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness, and what that's all about. Today, uh, we're going to take some time to um, talk about readiness and the gospel of peace. But we're also going to be talking about fishermen today, because this is our fisherman's blessing, and watch how these two things fit together. So, from there to where we're headed, you know, I like to do a little something different, and because, you know, fishing is sort of the theme for today, I have a few fishing quotes and a, and a, and a couple of fishing jokes. So, bear with me. Um, and the quotes are just that. They're just quotes. They are what they are. Not particularly funny, but I found them interesting. Um, I, I don't know this first person. His name was Doug Larson, but I liked what was happening. I thought fishermen might like it. He says, if people concentrated on the really important things in life, there'd be a shortage of fishing poles. So, for you fishermen, I thought that was pretty good. Kind of fish. Then, this was from Dave Barry. He's a columnist in Detroit, and uh, I thought this was pretty interesting. Some of you might relate to this. Fishing is boring unless you catch an actual fish, and then it's disgusting. So, for some of you, you might relate. Ew. Yeah, some of you like that right away. It's, oh. Anyway, this one's good. Un unknown author, quote, Nothing makes a fish bigger than almost being caught. There you go. So here, a little joke. Um, a small town doctor was famous in the area for always catching large fish. One day while he was on one of his frequent fishing trips, he got a call that a woman at a neighboring farm was giving birth. He rushed to her aid and delivered a healthy baby boy. The farmer had nothing to weigh the baby with, so the doctor used his fishing scales. That baby weighed 21 pounds, 13 ounces. You fisherman. That was big baby, yeah. All right, this is more keezy, this one. So a guy calls his boss and he says, I can't come to work today. And the boss says, well, why not? And the guy says, it's my eyes. And the boss says, well, what's wrong with your eyes? And the guy says, I just can't see myself coming to work, so I'm going fishing. That's, uh, that's very, that happens. 
Speaking of eyes, what do you call a fish with no eyes? you don't get it, ask somebody. <laughs> Scripture reading, here on purpose. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, uh, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So as I said earlier, we're also going to be discussing today Ephesians 6.15, along with the idea of fishing, uh, Ephesians 6.15, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We're going to look at both these ideas today. Let's start with our scripture reading. Um, one of the things I hope you noticed in our scripture reading is this, that the first four people that Jesus called to be his disciples were fishermen. And uh, as you read on, if you read on at the end of the gospel, we're going to look at in John 21, it's possible that of the 12 guys he called, seven of them were actually fishermen. Because in John 21, uh, verse 1 through 3, it says, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, that's one, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's two, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So there's seven guys who most likely um, were, were fishermen that were following Jesus. And I think it's fairly apparent that Jesus likes fishermen and that he sees something in fishermen that he knows um, the qualities that they have would um, help them to be very good disciples and followers in his kingdom. So let's see what we can learn from fishermen. Point number one in your notes, things that we can learn from fishermen. Things that we can learn from fishermen. Letter A under number one is this, that they keep at the ready. Fishermen keep at the ready. Uh, in the scripture when we read it and if you look at the story in Luke 5 too it's the same account it gives us a little more information all of the fishermen were busy when Jesus called them to follow they were either casting their nets preparing their nets or washing their nets they were all busy doing something and this is one of the qualities that fishermen have they spend a lot of time keeping ready being ready is very important to them. To, to fishermen, they're, 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 they spend time ready. My son-in-law um, is a commercial fisherman, and after he fishes all day and does what he does and comes in, he then still, he's not done, he's got so much to do to get ready to go out again. And he does that. He takes all the time necessary so that he's ready, so that the next day he's ready to go again. The weather's good and everything, he's ready to go. This is something that fishermen are, they're ready. And so maybe a lot of you that fish can understand that. You, you stay ready because if the weather's good, you're out there and you don't want to be messing around, wasting good weather. You want to be ready to go. And so this is one of the qualities that fishermen have. They keep ready. Another thing about fishermen, this is a little letter B. They have patience. Fishermen are, are, have a lot of patience. They do. They'll sit for a long time. I, I, I always remember going out and, and fishing with people and I love it when they start saying, all right, just five more minutes. We're going to wait here five more minutes, and then if we don't have anything, we'll move. And they don't mean that. Because in five minutes, they go, I, just five more minutes. 
just five more minutes. They're extremely patient and waiting for fishing. They have great patience. It's a very important quality of fishermen. Another really big thing, this is little letter C, is they have faith. Fishermen have great faith. Because when, if you ask someone who's going out fishing if they expect to catch anything, absolutely. They're going fishing to catch. They're, that's all part of the day. They're fully expecting that when they go, they're going catching. Uh, and so it's more than fishing. They're going catching. That's faith. They believe. And you know, you if a lot of faith in fish. You, you put your line in and stuff, and it goes, you can't see it normally. And, you know, things are happening. It takes a lot of faith for fishermen uh, to go and do what they do. And D, um, they have courage. Very courageous. You know, um, bad weather can, can show up. You're in deep waters. I watch this show sometimes called Deadliest Catch. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's about um, these, these guys in Alaska that do this crab fishing thing and uh, commercially. And I think to myself, no way. Big, huge waves, cold water. You fall overboard. You, you, you know, it's, it's not good. And uh, these guys are out in that stuff all the time. Tremendous, I think, uh, courage that it takes to be a fisherman sometimes. And, and so when Jesus called this fisherman, he, he called all these fishermen, he said this, point two in your notes, I will make you fishers of men. Matthew 4.19, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And this idea of being fishers of men is what this piece of armor we're looking at today in Ephesians 6.15 is all about. Ephesians 6.15 says, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And so, like fishermen, we're to be courageous, faithful, patient, and ready to go with the gospel. Now, your feet are fitted with readiness. Um, we take the gospel, but that's not what our feet are fitted with. Our feet are fitted with this readiness. The idea is being ready to go, ready to seize opportunities that God opens up for us to share with people the amazing good news that we have. But it's, it's about feet and being readiness. Some weeks ago in a series we did... I shared these verses with you, and I, I think um, that these are the verses Paul has in mind as he's relating this. Remember, he's looking at a Roman soldier, and he's describing the armor, and he's making these analogies for what we have in the spirit to stand against the evil one in the kingdom of darkness. But as he begins to talk about the readiness uh, of our feet, um, I believe he's, he's thinking about a verse in Isaiah 52, 7, where he says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. And that, that this is the idea that, that um, we have, our feet are ready to go and move with the gospel, with the good news, ready to share this incredible message that we have in Christ. And, and the good news, this, this great message, is what Paul refers to here as the gospel of peace. That's the third point in your notes, the gospel of peace. Because to be at peace with God means to be reconciled to God. And the reconciliation is, in fact, the good news. It's the gospel. It's the truth. Um, All of us have sinned, and God has made a way for us in Christ to be reconciled with Him. So that's the reality that all of us face. Once you've messed up one time, you're separate from God. You can't earn your way back. You can't get back in your own strength. But God has made a way for us in Christ and all that He did at the cross so that now He sees us in Christ. And, and even though we're still sort of, you know, a mess in a lot of ways, we know that. But God now sees us in Christ. So we've been reconciled. We're at peace with God. And it's the good news, it's the gospel message that, that we believe in that makes that happen. The gospel message, the good news, is, is this... Uh, what is this is it in a summary version Christ died for our sins was buried 
And on the third day he rose. And this event was witnessed by hundreds of people. That is the heart of the gospel message. That's what people need to hear and respond to. That Christ died for our sins. He was buried. And on the third day he rose. And this was a witnessed event by hundreds of people. It only usually takes a couple of eyewitnesses to, you know, make sure that, to believe that something happened. We have hundreds of witnesses of the resurrection. It's a, it's not a myth, it's not a story, it's an event that took place. And so, um, what happened was, his perfect sinless life was given in exchange for ours. He paid for our sins, and so that we can now be reconciled to God, we can be at peace with God. God sees us in Christ, our sins are no longer counted against us, and, and uh, this is how the peace with God happens. Little letter A uh, in your notes there, peace with God. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So because of this, we've been justified. We have peace with God. Justified. Justification is a churchy word. It doesn't come up very often. On, on our Wednesday group with the young leaders, we're right now going through a whole bunch of churchy terms in our discussions as we look through the Bible. And justification is one of them we just looked at. And glorification and sanctification. These are words that you just don't talk about all the time in regular conversation. Justification, um, to be justified, is, is just what I'm talking about. That God sees us in Christ so we can stand now in the presence of a holy God. We no longer stand condemned before Him. When we're not in Christ, we stand in condemnation. But, but having been justified in Christ, we can now stand before a holy God, and He sees us in Christ. This is an amazing deal, best deal in the universe. That's why it's called good news. There's nothing else that makes that happen. You can't earn it, you can't work for it. It's a gift, but it all happened in Christ because God made it happen for us. And so, once we've confessed with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, then we've been saved, we've been born again, we've been made new, we're rescued from darkness, moved into light. These are the things that happen. It's that message, the power of that message that moves people into this process. They, they have to believe it, get it here, and then confess it, and they move from darkness into light. And when that happens, we, 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 we find ourselves at peace with God. And the peace of God's an amazing thing. Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love that verse. It's part of my morning devotion every day. The peace of God, which transcends will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a great, great promise we have once we come to know Christ in this life. And so, since we're at peace with Him, we have access to this peace. And we don't need to live in worry and in fear and in high anxiety like so much of the culture around us lives. And even though we might be going through situations, because I understand that, fallen world, broken planet, this peace of God passes that passes understanding allows us to maintain peace in Him. We don't have to be anxious and worried. We can find peace with and in God. We have the peace of God and we have access to it. And it's an amazing thing. Like I said, good news. Best news in the universe. And so our desire then, this is little letter B, is that everyone would come to know his peace. That's the heart of this thing. That's what it's all about. That's what, what we're here for is the church. Um, we don't want to beat up on anybody. We don't, you know, we don't want to, um, you know, point fingers at anybody. Our heart is this, because we've come to know this peace of God, which is beyond, under, you know, passes understanding. It's the most amazing thing happening. Our heart's desire is just that other people would come to know it too. 
That's the whole deal. I, and you know, we talked about this, loving our neighbors as ourselves. We love ourselves and we, 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 we figure out that life is found in Him. Loving our neighbors like that is that they've come to know that as well. That, that it's important to us because we know that's the reality of where life is found. Romans fifteen thirteen, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit that God would fill people with joy and peace as they trust in Him. That's our heart's desire, just to pass on and share this amazing good news that we found in Christ. So we're to live as His ambassadors with this message of good news at the ready. And, and you know, we, we not only speak the message, which is important, people have to hear the message, but we also live this out the best that we can before them. And we do that with acts of kindness and with words of encouragement. And that this is a significant part of hospitality, is breaking down some of the barriers that people have in the way that they perceive God and the way that they perceive the church. Because a lot of people have perceptions about God and the church that aren't based on reality. They're based on bad experiences or misunderstandings or whatever. And so part of hospitality um, at this level is making people comfortable enough that they can maybe re-examine the way they feel about God and the way that they feel about the church. That's really a big part of what we do. We want people to sort of maybe question some of their thoughts uh, and, and ideas about God and about the church so that we can hopefully then encourage them with the good news that we ourselves have found. And that often this happens as we go out of our way to be kind to them or as we, we go out of our way to encourage them or demonstrate, you know, with, I call it radical hospitality. To, to help impact them. So one of the things we do, I thought this would be a good story, story to share, is that um, most of you know this, but a few months ago we purchased an ice cream truck. It's been something we wanted to do. We bought an ice cream truck. We have a great ice cream truck. It's really neatly, it looks like an ice cream truck because it is one. Uh, and it has, you know, all these great cartoon pictures on it and it's very well done. It has the neat ice cream noise that ice cream trucks make, you know, the music, which is extremely cool. And there's something about, you know, the ice cream truck noise that just kind of... I don't know, makes people kids again, all ages. You know, I'm 53, they fired that thing up in the parking lot the other day and turned on the music and I wanted to go, ice cream, and run out there, wait, ice cream, and it was pulling out. Uh, Reduced, you know, ice cream. And this happens, it has this impact wherever, and it's, I, and it's funny, you watch people because there's, it triggers things, see, because like some of these people near their homes, they probably got ice cream in their home, but it's like, the oh, I, ice cream! So, the truck goes around, and it was around yesterday blessing people and kids, and they were having a great time. One of my favorite stories with the ice cream truck is that, see, because, oh, if I didn't mention this, this, we don't sell this ice cream, we give it away. Nobody ever pays for ice cream off the ice cream truck. It's a blessing. It's, uh, it's hospitality. It's here you go, and they go, why in the world are you giving away ice cream? Well, we're from the vineyard, and that's what we do. We give away stuff. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, we do that on purpose to break down some of these barriers, because they're not used to that. It's not a fundraiser. It's, a, it's, a, it's just an encouragement. It's a kindness. It's hospitality. Uh, and so we do that with, with everything that we can um, to, to maybe break down some of those barriers and walls. So people go, really? I never heard of that. Well, you should come check it out sometime. Anyway, friends, driving by a few weeks ago, and he goes by uh, a house that uh, there's about, he said there was like eight guys up on the roof. It was really hot. And a couple of guys from the roof waved him down, and two guys came down to get some ice cream. And uh, they were there, and they got their, their ice cream and stuff. And then they found out it was free. So they yelled up to the guys, hey, it's free! And Fran said these guys literally leapt off the roof. They didn't look for ladders. 
grown men leaping off of roofs to get ice cream. And then he gets the opportunity to tell them about the vineyard and stuff. And see, that's, that's hospitality. It's just reaching out to people where they're at and maybe breaking down some stereotypes. I've told the other groups, you know, sometimes people will come here to the church, which is great, and they'll, they'll come for a while and they'll say to me, I have them find me and they say, listen, Pastor, um, I want to I say this. Uh, I love coming to this church. Um, I, I, like, I like the music. I love the free coffee. I love the free food. Um, I like, you know, being a part of everything. But I don't believe in all this stuff that you talk about. And I said, okay. And then they'll say, is it okay if I keep coming here? And I go, absolutely. I think you should come to every service. Come be a part. And I do that for this. See, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, so good. And people are in, you know, and just get sort of some of the, the walls broken down and go, well, maybe it's something worth thinking about or experiencing, and then things change. Hospitality does that. It makes people comfortable enough that, that, that maybe they have access to say, you know what, I need to check that out. And they can move their way in. And I'm going to love people, but, you know, those people that come, if they never, if they never, you know, because my hope is they come to know Jesus. It's good news. There's nothing better. Of course I want them to know Jesus. But it, however long it takes, I'm going to love them just the same. It's not a condition of my love. It's, it's you know, just come and hang out. And, and that's how we do that. So, we live this out. Acts of kindness, words of encouragement, and sometimes even a blessing. And that's what I want to do today with the fisherman's blessing. And we're going to move into that. I want to bless all of you. And, and let me tell you how this works. Um, I want to bless everyone that has anything to do with fishing. So if you're a sport fisherman, if you're a recreational fisherman, if you're a commercial fisherman, if you hang out with people that like to fish, if you eat fish, if you serve fish at a restaurant, if you walk by the fish counter at Winn-Dixie sometimes, I want to pray for you. If you're involved in any way with fishing, I want, to, I want to bless you today. So if you're involved in any way with fishing, what I want you to do is stand in your seats so that I can pray. Stand in your seats, in front of your seats. Don't stand on your seats. Stand up so that I can uh, pray a blessing on you this morning. And God, I pray that you bless all these fishermen that you'd be with them in their going out and in their coming in. And God, I pray that you'd allow them to provide for their families, that you'd bless the harvest of their traps, their lines, and their nets, that all types of fishermen, commercial, recreational, sport, would always find and experience times of joy in the beauty of your creation here in these Florida Keys and wherever they might find themselves fishing. And for all the fishermen on earth, I pray this prayer today. Be generous to them, O Lord, and help them on their way. As once you talked to Peter and he cast his humble net, so may their daily catch become as great as it can get. But also in my prayer I ask this miracle again, that they not only search the sea, but try to fish for men, to fish for souls, to do your will, and spread your gospel true. As your disciples on this earth to praise and honor you, I pray that every fisherman, wherever they may be, will turn their thoughts to you and to the sea of Galilee. And may the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. 
and go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you so much for sharing this day with us today. We are so thankful that you were here. The ministry team's heading their way over to that wall. They're here if you need prayer for anything. We'll get lunch ready for you in just a moment. You can go back there and get lunch. Uh, And remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. Have a great day, everybody. God bless you, and we'll see you soon. Prayer over there.